0: But if you've been doing the rental property thing for 8 to 10 years, like you said, and it's not as profitable as you'd like and kind of sort of a pain, then I think it's time for a change. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids & Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do two things. First, we're going to answer two questions from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community. Second, I'm going to throw down another MKM challenge to get the new year started off on the right foot. This challenge is going to hold me accountable, and it's going to hold you accountable. It's going to be fun. All right, let's jump into today's show first question of the month comes in from Christy from Cincinnati. She tagged me on my Facebook page at Andy Hill MKM. That's facebook.com slash Andy Hill MKM. Here we go. Andy, I love the podcast. I have two questions. How long have you been on Dave Ramsey's Baby Step 7? We are on Baby Step 7 and we have one paid for rental. We are considering selling the rental and just investing in a mutual fund instead. I know you keep talking about buying a rental. Yes, I do. I talk about that a lot. (laughs) But after eight to ten years, we are finding it really isn't making as much as we think the stock market could. And we won't have to worry about tenants calling with a problem. What are your thoughts? Christy. Christy, thank you so much for... Write me, and I'm glad you're digging the show. I really appreciate you listening. Thank you. And congratulations on reaching Dave Ramsey's baby step number seven. You completed all the steps. Way to go. That is incredible. I am a, a fan of Dave. I'm a fan of his company and all that he's done for our family. He's done a lot. You know, he's very motivational. Loved his books. And Now, for those of you who don't know what Christy and I are talking about, some inside baseball, who Dave Ramsey is and baby step seven, let me try to explain before we get into uh, Christy's question. So what is Dave Ramsey's baby step number seven? Dave Ramsey is this financial guru. He's out of Nashville, Tennessee or Franklin, Tennessee, and he likes to talk about paying off debt and helping people reach financial freedom. And uh, part of his system is some baby steps. And each of these steps helps lead you one step closer to financial freedom. So when you're in baby step seven, like Christy, you are now debt-free, which is step two, covered with at least three months of expenses in an emergency fund. That is step three. You are saving at least 15% of your income into retirement. That is step four. Contributing to your kids' college funds on a regular basis, if if you have kids. That's step five. And then step six, mortgage freedom. You got no mortgage. It's paid off. You don't owe the bank a dime. So baby step seven is defined by Dave Ramsey and his team as the step when you build wealth and give. This is when you feel extremely secure in your finances and you're ready for the next major chapter in your wealth building journey. So Christy, let's talk about some options for your cash without the mortgage. You probably found yourself with a lot of extra cash after you pay that paid that mortgage off. Our our family definitely did. We had around $35,000 extra to allocate each month, which was crazy. That's when we hit the baby step seven in 2017. And here are some options we considered and ones that you could potentially consider as well. Number one, rental properties. This is one you know quite a bit about already. Uh, For everybody who's listening, this is something you can do to receive monthly rental income and the value of your property grows over time. It's It's a great investment tool. And if you decide to get a mortgage on the property, your tenants and the rent they pay you help you to pay down that mortgage, which is great. That way you're building equity in the home and eventually you could be receiving some good rental income. Now, lately, Christy, it sounds like you're experiencing some of the disadvantages of real estate investing. Needy tenants, they can be a big bother, and the cost of upkeep, repairs, bills, taxes, and insurance, even if you don't have a mortgage, which it sounds like you guys don't, it can still be really costly and make your actual income a lot smaller than you had envisioned. The type of experience that you are describing in your Email your question to us, Christy, is part of the reason Nicole and I have stayed on the sidelines for investing in real estate. We just have a lot going on in our lives. We've got two kids that are under eight years old. We have both have two jobs, you know, or we both have a job, two jobs, and I've got the side hustle that I'm doing, and we just don't really want to add another job into our lives at this point. So yeah, we could get a property manager, you know, to help us out, to manage it, to make sure it's there. But I have a very hands-on wife. She likes to be a part of the process and be a part of the fixing and creating of what the home looks like. So I think unless we were able to go in full in together, I don't think she'd really dig it. And I don't think I would either. I think I'd like, I'd like to see her, (laughs) her magic come together and it would take a lot of time. It's like another job, really. So I get it. I, I, I feel what you're feeling is what I'm saying. So let's talk about your desire to invest in a mutual fund instead for a moment with these next couple of options. Number two, max out your retirement savings options. So there are multiple ways you can invest in the stock market with mutual funds, like you said, or index funds, which I like, and save on taxes. When you have no mortgage and a lot of extra cash, maxing these options out can be a smart post baby step seven money move. Here are some of our favorite retirement savings vehicles. The 401k. If you don't know about the 401k, a lot of people know about your 401k. This is what you can get at work. It's an employer sponsored plan. This year in 2020, you can save up to 19500 before taxes, and you can invest in the stock market for your retirement. And if your employer matches, this is where the gold is, my friend. If your employer matches, you can essentially receive free money for participating in your plan. So last year, this is an example of what I did. I maxed out my 401k at 19000 bucks. That was the 2019 limit. And I received 2850 bucks from my employer for free. Free money. Loved it. Now, there are early withdrawal penalties, so just consider this money for retirement. Don't worry about taking it out early and things like that. Just have this be for retirement. A lot of penalties, a lot of taxes, all that good stuff. The second one IRA. If you don't have an employer sponsored plan or you're already maxing out your 401k to its fullest, look into an IRA. Now, depending on your income, Christy, and your specific situation, you have the ability to invest pre-tax with a traditional IRA or post-tax, after-tax with a Roth IRA. In 2020, this year, isn't that cool? It's 2020. <laughs> the annual contribution limit is 6000 bucks if you're under 50. And if you're over 50, it's 7000 Nicole and I have been contributing to Roth IRAs for... Years now. Uh, Recently, we exceeded the income limits, which is awesome. That means we've done well with our income. So we've been investing in a traditional IRA instead. The last one I want to mention for retirement savings options that you could do to max it out is the HSA, the Health Savings Account. And this is a great way to save on your medical expenses. It's a tax advantage account that allows you to save and invest your money pre-tax, as long as you have a high deductible health plan. That is the key. That is the trick. So if you're participating in an HDHP, a high deductible health plan, you will get an HSA. Lots of acronyms here. HDHP, (laughs) HSA. But you can use your HSA funds to pay for doctor fees, prescriptions, dental treatments, and even contact lenses. My wife just used the the HSA debit card yesterday for her contact lenses. So it's working. And the cool stealth thing, the retirement side of things of this one, is that if you don't need the money for medical expenses before age 65, you can use this money after age 65 however you want. You can use it like retirement funds. It's a stealth way to save a little bit of more money. The HSA partner we signed up with was Lively. We really like them. They are a, a sponsor of the show currently. You're going to hear me say that in a little bit. <laughs> so you can connect with them at marriagekidsmoney.com slash Lively. They are a fantastic partner, and we've been working with them for the past couple of years. And they give you that great handy debit card that I just spoke about that uh, my wife used. So if you are maxing out your 401k, your IRA, your HSA, that is quite a bit of money and it'll help you save a lot on taxes. So something to consider. So let's jump into the next investment opportunity. You're talking about mutual funds, Christy. Number three, invest in a taxable brokerage account. Now, if you've exhausted your tax-favored retirement options... And, or if you just simply want to invest to enjoy some of your investments before retirement age, check out a taxable brokerage account through a low-cost broker like Vanguard or Fidelity. You can invest in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, however you want to slice it, or even REITs, real estate investment trusts. Now, this, this one you might like here, uh, Christy, because you're investing in real estate and you don't really like all the, the hassle of being the landlord, By investing in REITs, you're getting the same ability to invest in real estate without all of the landlord business. So consider that. Just like rental property income, you'll have to pay taxes on the income you receive from your investments, whether they're stocks, bonds, mutual funds, REITs. But if my investments are growing with me not having to do all that much taxes on my passive income is no problem to me. <laughs> All right, number 4, have more fun. Oh, Christy, when you have a lot more money available after reaching baby step 7, it's time to have some more fun. Now, you might be doing this anyway, but I'm going to throw it at you anyway just to just to kind of give you permission to let loose and enjoy yourself. This can come in the form of vacations, more date nights, Upgrading your car. Maybe you're driving around an old car. Maybe you want to upgrade that. Host some parties with some friends at your house. Update your home. This was Nicole's favorite. We kind of stalled on decorating and updating the home, and she's been having a lot of fun over the last couple of years. (laughs) And, I don't know, more vacations. Enjoy yourself. Travel the world. Travel the country. Relax. Take some time for yourself. You know, after we work so hard on hitting our financial goals... We can forget to let loose, you know, and relax a little bit. So craft a budget that feels fun, but still allows you to do things like invest and give. And then the last one here, number five, give more. Another really fun way to use your money, Christy, is to give it away. In 2017, Nicole and I were giving just 1% of our money to charity. This is our take-home pay, 1% of our take-home pay to charity. And last year, after a couple of years of, you know, setting baby step goals, we laddered up to 5%. And in the process, we learned a lot about organizations and causes and charity leaders that we just felt really passionate about. So I'm very happy that we made that choice. Outside of charitable giving, you can become a more generous person in everyday life. How about giving a hundred bucks randomly to a hardworking neighbor in the service industry during the holidays? That's something we did with uh, a group of about 10 people. And overall, we gave around 820 bucks to our hardworking neighbors in the service industry. It was a little bit more than we did in 2018. So we were happy to have exceeded that goal. And I hope we can get to a thousand bucks next year when we do it again. But wouldn't that feel great just to kind of give bigger tips and make people smile? That's fun. That's a fun thing to do with your money. Since we achieved the 5% charitable giving goal last year, and we thought that was a lot of fun, Nicole and I developed a new goal for this year. We're going to give away an additional 5% to our family, friends, and our neighbors So this is going to be in the form of cash, gifts, or just random surprises like we talked about uh, for our holiday giving. I'm actually inspired by my brother, Mike, who shows his love quite a bit through giving. And I want to be a little bit more like my brother, Mike, this year. So Christy, take stock of how much you are giving. People often talk about all the things that we need to change in this world and man, things need to change and... In order to make it a better place, right? But you can start by being the change you want to see in your community or in our country or in the world. And that's pretty powerful. So let's recap those five options for your money and baby step seven, Christy. Number one, rental properties, if you want to keep rocking that. Number two, max out your retirement savings options. Number three, invest in a taxable brokerage account. You could do the stocks, bonds, mutual funds, REITs, things like that. Number four, have more fun. And then number five, give more. Christy, I hope by hearing some of these additional options, you might be able to think about which ones sound most appealing to you. And maybe it's a little bit of all of them. But if you've been doing the rental property thing for eight to 10 years, like you said, and it's not as profitable as you'd like and kind of sort of a pain, then I think it's time for a change. A little variety, a little change, it could be good for you. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsors, everyone. Let's jump back into the show. Our second question of the month comes in from Anonymous from our Thriving Families Facebook community. And by the way, you can join our free Facebook community at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash FB group. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash FB group. Here's the voicemail.
1: Hey, Andy. My question for you is, should we wait until we're debt-free in order to buy our first home, knowing that we'll be renting for at least the next two years? My family consists of myself, my man, and his 14-year-old son, and our original plan was to become debt-free by August 2021 and continue renting up until his son graduated high school in summer of 2024 and theoretically moved out. From there, the idea was to travel the world and see what speaks home to us before purchasing our first home. Recently, however, both my man and I have gotten new jobs that we both love and are more or less local, so we'll be rooted deeper in our current location. Thus, we've started considering buying a home that will be in for at least the next four years that cost similar to what we're currently paying in rent when all things like PMI are considered. Here's where the first issue comes in, which is time. If we were to purchase our first home, we think that it would be best to do so this summer for three reasons. Number one, our current lease will be over at the end of September. Number two, our son will be moving from middle school to high school and it will be the best time for a transition such as this and summer would allow him to help us move. Number three, my man will be past the nine-month period for his new job and I'll be still working at my salaried stable day job that I've been at for the past six and a half years and will look excellent on paper. Especially given that I'd love to swap out my day job with my new job, which is commission-based and would take a lot longer and more paperwork to make a case for home buying. Here's where the second issue comes in, which is money. Though we have most of our bases covered insurance and retirement-wise, we don't have any down payment saved up. only have $1,000 making up our baby emergency fund and currently have all of our excess income going towards debt. I qualify for 100% down payment assistance and also have a solid 401k to pull from, though I'm not too keen on borrowing against one investment vehicle in order to pay for another. What do you think? Should we buy a home this summer or stick to our original plan?
0: Anonymous, thank you so much for connecting in the Thriving Families Facebook community and leaving this voicemail. I completely understand your desire to buy a new home right now. You've been renting and you're feeling like the current community you're in is just one you're going to be in for a while. So why pay rent when you could be paying the same amount of money on a mortgage, right? Well, I want to try to convince you otherwise. (laughs) I'm going to give you seven reasons why I think you should wait to buy your next home. Number one, zero down payment loans can be dangerous. It sounds like you are interested in going with the 100% assistance or the zero down loan. With that, you're going to be automatically paying PMI, private mortgage insurance. This is an additional cost on top of your monthly payment that can add another 1% to your mortgage. So if you've got a $200,000 mortgage, which seems to be the average right around now, you'll be paying an additional $2,000 per year or $167 per month. Now, another reason that I don't think zero down payment loans are a good way to go is that the value of your home if it goes down, you could be underwater in your home and really stuck if you eventually want to sell. I went through this process with my first home in 2004 and it was horrible. I felt stuck when the housing prices plummeted in 2009, 2010, 2011. I'm, it, we can't know if it's going to happen again, but you know what? It, it could. And If you owe 100% of the value of your home and then the value goes down, that could be a really tough position to be in. Number two, little emergency savings can cause big problems. Homes can be money pits. When I bought my first home, I had very, very little savings. And you know what happened? The AC broke. My roof needed replacing. And my basement flooded. And this was all in the first two years of homeownership. (laughs) So what did I do? I started borrowing more money to fix everything. This put me in a hole for quite a while. I borrowed on my home equity line of credit. And then when my home was valued at less than I owed, that was... Even worse, they wouldn't even let me borrow anymore from my home equity line of credit. It was, it was a bad place to be in. And I don't want this for you. Number three, furnishing a home can be costly. When you buy your new place, you're gonna wanna furnish it and make it feel like home. You're gonna need couches. You're gonna need art for the walls. You're gonna need carpets. You're gonna need pots and pans. All of the things that make a home feel like a home. But with very little savings, you're not going to be able to do this or you'll end up further in debt to make it happen. Number four, home maintenance is time consuming and expensive. With no landlord to cut the lawn or fix the broken appliances or clean the gutters, you may find yourself with a lot of extra to do's each weekend. Now you could hire this out like I often do (laughs) and it gets done faster for sure, but there are a lot of costs that are going to be associated with that and I pay for it. And if you don't have the money, it can be a lot more than you bargained for. It's not just the mortgage. Number five, closing costs still need to be considered even with a zero down payment loan you still may have to pay 3 to 5% of the purchase price in closing costs. Some of these costs can include origination fees, application fees, broker fees, discount points or mortgage points, third-party fees like appraisals, inspections, title reports, title insurance, all that stuff, man. Prepaid items like homeowner's insurance, property taxes, prepaid interest, underwriting fees, document preparation fees, the list goes on. In short, even with a zero down payment loan, you may still need to pay a lot of money up front. Number six, your debt pay down process will be stalled. It sounds like you guys have made a lot of progress so far and instead of getting out of debt with this process, you're gonna be taking on a lot more of it. And with the additional costs of being a homeowner, you may start to lose some traction on paying down your debt completely. And it sounds like that's a big goal for you guys. Number seven, your new home could add more stress into your life. You have two jobs and a teenager at home. Add on top of that, the burden of taking care of a home and the maintenance that comes with it this could be a recipe for some major stress in your life. As you're making some traction in your career and finding work you love to do, I'm personally fearful, anonymous, this home purchase could be more harm than good for your mental health. So you might be saying, okay, fine, handy, whatever. Maybe buying a home right now isn't the best time. But when, 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 when should we consider it? And to that hypothetical question you might have asked, I would say that when you're able to put 20% down to avoid that PMI, and when you've eliminated your high interest debt, you know, think of like the high, the double digit ones, the the credit cards, that type of stuff. And when your mortgage payment is not going to be more than 25% of your household income, that way you can enjoy life and cover the other important things that you got going on. And have at least three months of expenses saved in an emergency fund because there's gonna be emergencies. And the last one, as long as you and your partner are on the same page with the big purchase, that is probably the most important one. Those are some of the caveats I would say. Yeah, go for it. But there's a lot of groundwork to be done in order to get there. It's never fun to tell someone that you shouldn't buy a house. But going through this life-changing process, when you're in debt and you have little to no savings, it can lead to a lot of unneeded stress. I have bought two homes in my life. The first one turned into a nightmare. And the second one has been a dream come true. And that has been the difference, going into it with little to no savings, with little down, and the second one going into it with a lot of savings and a lot down. So I hope when you do buy your home anonymous, it feels like a blessing and something that you love. If you have a question like Christy or our anonymous friend, please leave me a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. Or ping me on any social media platform at Andy Hill MKM. That's at Andy Hill MKM. I would love to hear from you. I'm all about self-improvement, so let's bring on another MKM challenge. With it being the first full week of the new year, my friends, I was hoping to set some goals together. Some financial goals, some family goals, or just generally self-improvement goals. And I'm a big believer in sharing your goals with others. That way you feel more committed to making them come to life. So here's my challenge to you. I want you to write down five smart goals for the year and share them in our Thriving Families Facebook community. Again, that's at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash FB group. And if you're not on Facebook, ping me at Andy Hill MKM on Instagram or Twitter and share your goals with me. So what do I mean by SMART goals? Well, let's go through S-M-A-R-T. Wait, S-M-A-R-T? Yes, S-M-A-R-T. S, specific. M, measurable. A, achievable. R, relevant. T, time-bound. Okay, so that's the acronym, right? So let's give you an example of like a, like an unsmart goal. Here we go. I want to improve my money situation. Okay, that's, that is unsmart. So let's do the, the smart version. Here's a smart version. I want to save $5,000 in my emergency savings account by the end of December. That's smart, okay? That's specific. That's measurable. 5,000 bucks, that's measurable, right? Easy to track. Achievable. Well, you gotta decide if that's achievable for you, saving 5,000 bucks. If it's 2,000 bucks, 10,000 bucks, decide what's realistic for you. And then relevant does this get you closer to your larger family financial goals? And then time bound, we said end of December. So that's what makes it smart, right? Once you've made that goal, it's time to break that down into action steps. So what action steps are you going to do in order to get that 5000 bucks by the end of the year? Here's some examples. Action step number one. Open a high-yield savings account. I gave you guys an option with that uh, advertisement earlier. You can go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash TCI savings and find some good options there. Action step two, develop a budget to ensure you have enough money set aside each month to reach your goal. Action step three, set up a recurring automatic deposit of 420 a month. Action step number four, assess your balance midway through the year and adjust as needed. So set a little calendar notice in your phone that says, see how you're doing on your savings goals. And if you're over, you're under, whatever, adjust as needed at that point. And then action step five, achieve the goal and celebrate. <laughs> so it's as easy as that. Well, it's I guess it's not easy, It's simple, but not easy, right? Otherwise, I guess we'd all be rich and happy and and all that good stuff. But it's the action that's the trick, right? We can set these big goals. It's putting the action under them to make them come to life. All right, to get you motivated and to be a good good example of of sharing, because we're talking about sharing, here are my five goals for the upcoming year. Number one, make $50,000 through my side hustle by December 31st. Number two, give 5% of our take-home pay to charity and 5% to friends, family, and neighbors by the end of the year. Number three, achieve a net worth of $1 million before my 39th birthday. Number four, meditate with the Calm app at least three times per week. I have been loving it and I want to stay consistent with it. So that would be a throughout the year deal. And then the last one, number five, have at least one one one-on-one time or one date night with each member of my family. So a date night with my wife and then one-on-one time with my kids for each month of the year. So those are my goals. Now I need to set my action steps for each of those goals. So that's my homework, right? I'm going to work on that. Now I want you to join me in this fun challenge. So if you're looking to get some ideas for financial improvement opportunities in the new year, here is a quick list of ideas. I'll go through them real fast. Number one, get term life insurance. Number two, complete your last will and testament. Number three, develop your first budget. Number four, pay off your last credit card debt. Number five, increase your 401k contributions at work. Number six, open a 529 account for your kids for the college savings. Number seven, track your net worth for the first time to see where you stand and then, you know, track it throughout the rest of the year. Number eight, look into an HSA for future healthcare expenses. Number nine, save up 5,000 bucks in an emergency savings account. That was our example. That's a good one too. (laughs) And then number 10, read five personal finance books to increase your knowledge and money savvy. Now, obviously you'll have to choose the goals that make sense for you. If you've done all these things, that's fantastic. You're going to have to choose some other ones, but I thought I would just rattle off 10 of them to give you some inspiration. So who's in, who's going to join me in creating five goals and sharing them? Are you going to join me? Yeah, you, you the one listening right now, you. go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash FB group to post these in the Thriving Families Facebook community. And if you're not into Facebook, no big deal. Ping me at Andy Hill MKM on Twitter or Instagram to share your goals for the year. This way we're holding each other accountable. I hope this challenge helps you guys have a great, great year. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do any one of these three things to support this show. Number one, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player, so we're hanging out every week. Number two, share this episode with a friend. That would be awesome. You'll find all the links and resources for today's show at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 168. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 168. And then number three, leave me a review in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Those reviews help more people to find this show. This quarter, we're going to be giving away three different book options from past podcast guests. The first one, The Family Board Meeting by Jim Shields. The second one, Choose F.I. by Chris Mamula. And then the last one, Do It Scared by Ruth Sukup. And to help me pick the winner this week, I've got my assistant, Zoe Hill, here with me once again. How's it going, my girl, Zoe? Great. Awesome, my girl. So, Zoe, what was your favorite thing about winter break?
2: Well, Christmas, of course. I'm really a family girl. I love having my family over during the holidays. And my mom got an electric scooter for Christmas, and my grandma got to ride it, and we got to watch her make a fool of herself. (laughs)
0: That's awesome. We had a lot of fun with that, didn't we? Mm -hmm. So you're going back to school tomorrow. What do you think about that?
2: Um, I don't even want to say anything good. I want to say a lot of things that are (laughs) bad.
0: What are you, what are you not excited about? Well,
2: I don't get to stay home and rest. I like sleeping in. I don't really like to get, like get up in the morning so early.
0: Mm -hmm. I hear you. I hear you. You and mama like to get to sleep in, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Well, your birthday's next month. What do you want to do for your birthday next month?
2: I was thinking going sledding with my friends and then having my family over and spending time at the house.
0: I love it, baby. That sounds like a lot of fun. Well, you're ready to do our review for the month?
2: Of course.
0: Okay, well, you know what to do. We got two reviews this month, so you know what to do to say to our electronic friend there, okay?
2: Alexa, pick a number between one and two. Two.
0: Okay, so our second review came in from Rachel West, who calls the show inspiring and informative. All right, Zoe, do you want to read Rachel's review for us?
2: Yes, please. Andy covers a wide variety of financial topics that are applicable for families, but what makes this podcast stand out from the rest is his infectious enthusiasm for personal finance and helping people meet their financial goals it's so inspiring
0: awesome zoe thank you so much for reading that review and thank you rachel for sending in that review we are going to email you after this and offer you any of those books for your choosing and next month we're gonna do the same thing so zoe i hope you can come back again and help us to read another review and i love you very much and thank you for being here
2: I love you,
0: too, and I love being on the show. Mm, I love you, baby.
2: I love
0: you, too. Isn't she the best? (laughs) This month on the show, we're going to be doing something a little different, my friends. I'm going to try an experiment. We're going to do two episodes per week, one on Monday and one on Wednesday. Now, I've done the show for three years, and it's always been Monday, and this is going to be big for me. So I'm going to need your feedback. I would love for you to let me know how you're digging the show. If it's something that's working for you, I this is going to be new for me. So please shoot me a note uh, on social at, at Andy Hill MKM and just let me know what you're thinking. Because this is really going to help me grow the show. And it's going to help me to bring you guys family empowering content more often. So thank you. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from J.P. Morgan. The first step towards getting somewhere is to decide you're not going to stay where you are. Here's to taking that first step in the new year. Carpe diem.